Get in, loser. It's my birthday, almost. Almost. This is our whole deal. We're friends who read books. And have birthdays. And have birthdays. Really <laughs> focus on my enunciation here. Um, hi, I'm Lindsay. This is my friend Renee, and welcome to Crybaby Books. How's it going, Renee? Uh, tell me about your farmer's market haul. Okay, so I went to the farmer's market this morning. I went so early because I wanted to go before we record, and the Lafayette farmer's market is crazy. Like, when you said I'm not that you were going to get stuck in traffic, I'm like, isn't it like nine in the morning? What, what no, do you mean? When I say the Lafayette Farmer's Market is crazy. There's like 50 booths. <gasps> there's like a place where you can park there. There's like paid parking. Then there's like lawn parking. But if both spots are full, which they usually are, then you have to park at like Cajun Field or something and take a bus and get on the bus and the bus will haul you over to the Farmer's Market. Where's the Farmer's and you have Market to wait. at? It's uh, it's the horse farm, so it's okay. bought, it's like across from Mel's, mm-hmm. um, and then you have to wait for the bus to come back to bring you back to your car to then drive back. So I was like, I we went super early and we've never been this early before. So I was like, let me just, let me just see what we can get done. It was so cold this morning too. It's in the 30s, and so luckily Dang. we got a spot. We were able to park, get down, get our little goodies, and be back with about six and a half minutes to spare. <laughs> Did it. <laughs> yeah, so I got some cute stuff. There's a, um, a clay artist that I love who had her stuff at the farmer's market, which um, she doesn't have her stuff in a ton of places to buy. So I got a little mug from her. I got um, from Cajun Acres. I got some like spicy microgreens. I got some gorgeous romaine Ooh. lettuce. I got Ooh. some pesto. Um, there's an Italian place that I don't know how to pronounce, um, and I'm not going to try to, but they make amazing pizza. They did my friend's, um, engagement party, and I've been thinking about the pizza ever since. So we got some of that for lunch today, and we got a bunch of stuff. Got some blueberry lemonade and some breakfast fries and oh Acadiana gosh, pies. Oh really went all out. Now I want to go to a yeah. farmer's market. Come on, Utah, step up. Well, we have, like, usually we go late because we like to sleep in and stuff, but... And, and and by the time we get there, everything is sold out, and you still have to park and, like, take a bus to get there. Right. And so we were there early, and, like, we never have our pick of everything. So I was like, well, let's get everything let's while really we can. Let's really go all out this morning. <laughs> what are yeah, we going to so do fun. for us? <laughs> yeah. What are we going to do for me? Um, so it was really nice. It was really fun. Um, John got, like, a strawberry latte or something from a little sweet old couple who had, like, low-acid coffee. Um, but yeah, it was a good, it was overall pretty successful farmer's market morning. So I'm glad we did it. I love that. So today's episode is all about Lindsay and Lindsay's birthday (laughs) as most are. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) and I was kind of like, at first it was supposed to be Aquarius reads and I was like, what is an Aquarius? I'm horrible. This is like not my wheelhouse. And then I'm looking and I'm like, I don't know what's an Aquarius book. I was like, what if we just do books that I think you would like? Um, and she said, yes, I don't have to do anything. This is the best, um, week of (laughs) podcast planning ever. And I was like, great. I got it. I've Um, been totally chilling. It's been amazing. So what, when I made the document, I put a bunch of birthday bitch book qualities, but I blacked them out so you can't see them. But I'm going to, I'm going to reference them now and I'm going to ask you, what do you think 
that you love most in a book? Pick like four things. Like things okay. that specifically you gravitate towards. Okay. Are we talking about like genres or like tropes or any, anything? All. Any all. Okay. I love any kind of speculative fiction. Okay. Um, which is the things that you usually laugh at for me. Things like Shark Heart and Remarkably Bright Creatures. Things that are like Shark Heart like, how does entirely even... too weird, but it's your birthday, so <laughs> it's Go like off. I like weird I like weird stuff like that that kind of like makes you think. Okay. Um I love feminist retellings of Greek mythology, as Book Club now has learned. I love very good writing. And if the writing is not good, I like it to be funny. So <laughs> if you've got errors, at least make me laugh. Right. So I'm like, I get distracted by bad writing. Like if there's like a three paragraph run on sentence, I'm too distracted. And so if you're not making me laugh while you're doing it, I'm out. Um, And then I love a thriller. I just love a classic thriller. I love like suspenseful novels. I guess that's four. That's four. You got it. Okay. Okay. Now I'm trying to figure out how to unhighlight my text. All right. (laughs) Number one, Nantucket. She loves all things Nantucket. I love Nantucket. I love Nantucket. Nantucket. We've got Unlikely Friends, which that's right. You do grab. I mean, Shark Heart is basically Unlikely Friends. Um, sure. Books where someone important dies. Mm, yeah, not. I do love a, a grief book. <laughs> she does love death. Magical <laughs> realism. Back again on yep. Shark Heart. Yep. Mystery, yep. but I put mystery, but like fun and cute mystery. Like the maid, yeah, or like a like a like a funny murder like a mystery. <laughs> yes, like a whodunit. Yeah. Uh, period pieces. Yep, historical uh, fiction. Love books about libraries, except yeah, for that books one. About books. Books about books, except for that one time. Except for that one. Girl power, because obviously. There. Period. Um, and a dark I love women. I do. So, when I made this list of books, which it, it doesn't cover all of them, but most. Um, I went through Lindsay's story graph and she's got like, I don't know, 368 books <laughs> on her story graph, which is probably only the last like three years, y'all. So that's right. Yep. Um I had to type in each book and I would get so pissed when it would pop up as something you already Girl, what do I tell you? Like, what am I supposed to tell you? So I, I was trying to pick books that were, like, a little bit older. That way, like, maybe you'd seen them before and you were interested, but you weren't sure. Yeah. But I took it a step further, and I also made a PowerPoint, which you can open. Oh, my God. <laughs> you can open. There's a link in the thing so that you could okay. also see the covers of the books because I feel like that's important for you. I should have put pretty covers. Beautiful, stunning covers. Oh my gosh, you guys, she put a PowerPoint presentation. Oh my god. It's called Birthday Bitch Books Beat to the Third Power. I also I did. Cute? Is it cute? That's so I don't know. I think it's cute. That's so cute. It's got the cover on one side and then a summary on the other, but I put a black background so that you couldn't um you could re- the cover would really stand out. Love. For you. I love the design of it all. This is so cute. I love it. I we're gonna have to put this on the Instagram so our listeners can see. It's Maybe so we'll funny. take the text out because the text is. Uh, if you see the last couple slides, I, I have a little text drama, but okay, I did it. <laughs> All right, the first one is called "The Lido" by Libby okay. Page. So Rosemary Peterson has lived in Brixton, London, all her life, but everything is changing. The library where she used to work is closed. Ooh, books about books. 
The family grocery store has become a bar, and the Lido, which is an outdoor pool where she swum daily since its opening, is threatened with closure by a local housing developer. Basically, the neighborhood's getting gentrified, girl. Yeah. Um, it was there that Rosemary escaped the devastation of World War II, fell in love with her husband, George, and found community during her marriage and since George's death. Flip the script to unlikely friends. 20-something Kate Matthews has moved to Brixton and feels desperately alone. Once a promising writer, she now covers forgettable stories for her local paper. That is, until she's assigned to write about the Lido's closing. Soon, Kate's portrait of the pool focuses on a singular woman, Rosemary. As she and Rosemary, they open up to each other. They're nourished and transformed in ways that never thought possible. Girl power. In the... It's a charming, feel-good novel, the heart and spirit of community across generations. Is it also a period piece? Does this book really wrap it all? An <laughs> irresistible tale of love, loss, aging, and friendship. I love that. That sounds so sweet. I love relationships between like an older woman and like a younger girl or a younger teen or 20-something. I love that. I love Unlikely Friends. It looks really cute, and the cover is really gorgeous as well. The cover is gorgeous. It's got two women in a pool, kind of like a, what do you call it, like a swim-up or an edgeless pool or something? Where like Yeah, one of those like a, eternity pools kind yeah, of. Yeah, etern- infinity? One of those. Yeah, sure. It's <laughs> the, the girls are at the pool, basically. The sky is blue. <laughs> There's like three clouds. They're not making a shape, but I bet they're thinking about what shape they're going to make. And that's the the Lido by Libby Page, which I think might be, I don't know, the all around, the all around choice here. Yeah, that's so cute. It sounds great. Follow up book, Nantucket, Summer House <laughs> by Nancy Thayer. Um, the cover's got. I thought it was two women. It might be two women. I was trying not to look at the feet too much. It's like two. It's got to be two girls. Two yeah, sets of legs on a hammock. But you would. They're both like smaller legs. There's not like big, like gnarly man toe. There's no gout here. Oh my God. Um, okay. These poor like leg models are just out there listening. To I feel this like podcast. I also see butt cheeks on both. So it's it's women. We've got 30 year old Charlotte Wheelwright seems to have found her kind of her own thing. She's running an organic gardening business on the island of oh. Nantucket. Thanks oh my in God, large, my dream. large part to her spry grandmother, Nona, who's donated a portion mm-hmm. of land on the family's compound to get Charlotte started. Family's compound was um, a little bit concerning for me. What, I'm concerned, yeah. We, but we, it's just got old money. We've got old money, big yeah, family. It's Nantucket. It's yeah. Nantucket. Yeah, so, no cult. Cults are too poor to be in Nantucket. So it's just like those people just have had money since like the Mayflower. Nona. Nona, Nana, Nona, Nona, Nana. Um, so Charlotte's running her gardening business on the family property, but now it's summer, and what happens in summer? Everybody's going to Nantucket. The whole family's mm-hmm. coming in, mm-hmm. and Charlotte's mother is bringing a betrayal that threatens her sense of place in the family. Her aunts are bringing some drama, her sister, and each of these strong-willed women is wrestling with a life-changing decision. Um, And the end, which I thought, it seems like it wraps up nicely, Nancy Thayer's luminous novel shows that no matter where life's path may lead, love always finds a way back home. 
That sounds so sweet. So we've got Nantucket. We've got Girl Power. We've got... Yeah. Gardens. Go, we've we've got, got old money. Organic gardening. Old money. <laughs> old money. <laughs> That's your favorite category of books. Yes. Rich people. So this may be a beach read. Happy and outside. Yeah. Outside I lo- that sounds really good. It sounds so cute and like so sweet. Um, The next one is called The Keeper of Lost Things by Ruth Hogan. And it's a stunning cover. It's got like flowers around the words, and there's a little button and a little puzzle piece and a little gold key. Yeah. <laughs> um, this one hits a little magical realism, I think. Okay. Anthony Perdue is the keeper of lost things. 40 years ago, he carelessly lost a keepsake from his beloved fiance. And that very same day, she died unexpectedly. Oh, no. People who die, number one. Um, <laughs> Broken hearted, Anthony sought some consolation in rescuing lost objects. The things that others have dropped or misplaced are accidentally left behind and then writing stories about them. Now in the twilight of his life, Anthony worries that he has not fully discharged his duty to reconcile all the lost things with their owners. As the end nears, he's got this secret mission to his unsuspecting assistant, Laura, leaving her his house and all of his lost treasures, including an irritable ghost. Oh, Ooh. she loves a ghost. She, I do love a ghost, she actually. Loves, <laughs> loves a ghost. Recovering from a bad divorce, Laura, in some ways, is one of Anthony's lost things, which is a sentiment that's really sweet to me. Um, but when the lonely woman moves into his mansion, her life begins to change. She finds a new friend in the neighbor's daughter and a welcome distraction in Freddie, the gardener. And as the dark cloud engulfing her lifts, Laura, accompanied by her new companions, sets out to realize Anthony's last wish is reuniting his lost objects with their owners. Aww. Unlikely friend Eunice. Long ago, Eunice found a trinket on the London pavement and has kept it through the years. With her own den drawing near, she has lost something precious, a tragic twist of fate that forces her to break a promise she months made. As the keeper of lost objects, Laura holds the key to Anthony and Eunice's redemption. Can she unlock the past and make connections that will lay their spirits to rest? That sounds so cute. You know what it also reminds me of almost? It sounds like The Magic of Found Objects by Maddie Dawson, one of my favorite authors. Um, it's a similar like – it sounds like this one is a little bit more literal like about the things that he's finding. But it just kind of reminds me of like a similar like I lost someone and I'm trying to find myself and Aww. magical a little bit. There's this kind of a, a book ghost. that I would cry through. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. I, and I plan on it. I'm like for sure sure of it. Okay, I'm things. <laughs> Next book, we've got The North Woods by Daniel Mason. Ooh. It's got some sort of cat. Some sort of yeah, big, that looks a like big a big cat. Yeah, like like a panther. I thought you almost uh, said panda, and I was like, Lindsay, no. <laughs> <laughs> like a like a spotless leopard or a, cheetah? A woman lion? A lady lion. A lady lion. This is our new podcast where we try to name animals. Um, or pools. <laughs> we try to just think of words. <laughs> okay, we're two for two with this one. This book, um, I think stood out to me the most. I don't know if it's the book that you would like the most. I'm sure you would like it. But um, 
A sweeping novel about a single house in the woods of New England told through the lives of all the people who have inhabited it across the centuries. Wow. Period piece. <clears throat> so we've New got England. New England. We've got Love. a pair of young lovers from a Puritan colony. Um, mm. And little do they know that their humble cabin in the woods will become a home to an extraordinary secession of inhabitants. There is an English soldier destined for glory. A pair of spinster twins survive war and famine. A crime reporter unearths the mass grave. Um, a painter, a con man. Each of these people who come through this house and it tr- says... Um, Traversing cycles of history, nature, and literature, Northwood shows the myriad and magical ways in which we're connected to our environment and to one another across time, language, and space. It's written along with the seasons and divided into 12 months of the year, and it's an unforgettable novel about the secrets and fates that ask the timeless question, how do we live on after we're gone? That sounds like totally up my alley. Like very speculative fiction, a lot of different intertwining stories. I think generational. I, I would like the um, format, I guess, of the book, where like each each month is a different story, but they're following the seasons and how all those things are interconnected. Daniel Mason, get it. Go ahead, Daniel Mason. Go ahead, Daniel. Okay, the next book. Is called The Starling House by Alex E. Harrow. Harrow. And I, based on the cover, was certain that you would have read this book. I read um, The 10,000 Doors of January by this author. Um, but I have heard, I have heard of this one. I, I don't, I'm not sure what it's about though. But I haven't, I haven't read it yet. It starts off with a grim and gothic new tale. And I was like, oh, she'll enjoy. Grim and gothic. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> she's grim she's gothic as shit about a small town haunted by secrets that can't stay buried and the sinister house that sits at the crossroads of it all also let me back up the cover's got these birds and their beaks are open and arms like (laughs) wings are open the birds are like causing a full scene there's also a magical little key on it maybe Maybe I'm just like Lindsay love a book with, loves a book with a little gold Lindsay key. Lindsay loves a key. She <laughs> loves a little gold key. Little gold key, little gold spoon, tiny gold object. <laughs> I should have put little gold spoon in <laughs> trophy. <laughs> She's talking about the golden spoon, everybody, which was an amazing book. Key elements, tiny golden spoon. Okay. Eden, Kentucky, is just another dying bad luck town known only for the legend of E. Starling, the reclusive 19th century author and illustrator who wrote The Underland and then disappeared. Before she vanished, the Starling house appeared, but everyone agrees that it's best to let the uncanny house and its last lonely heir go to rot. Opal knows better than to mess with a haunted house or a brooding man. Mm smart girl but an unexpected job (laughs) offer might be a chance to get her brother out of eden too quickly though the house starts to feel dangerously like something she's never had a home um forces converge on the starling house opal and author are going to have to make a dire choice to dig up the buried secrets of the past and confront their own fears or let eden be taken over by literal nightmares 
if Opal mm. wants a home, she'll have to fight for it. Like those that birds on the really cover. Good. Yeah, oh. those birds are straight up fighting. Straight up uh, fighting. But that sounds really good. It sounds good. I, I kind of had trouble. This is like a hot take, but I had trouble with books like 10,000 Doors of January and Mexican Gothic because I was like, I typically like the dark vibes. Like I like something spooky and kind of gothic, but I don't know. There was something about those books that didn't do it for me, but maybe it was the plot. Like in Mexican Gothic... Sorry to spoil alert, you guys, if you are looking to read this book, but it's been out for like three years, so it's not my fault. It's like the enemy was the wallpaper. And I just was like, there was all of this reading for that. There was another book that had like, um, like Spanish, like conquistador style, um, stories in it. And I was like, God, this seems Mm -hmm. so interesting, but it also looked very dense and mm. I was like, I think it would be – it's not like a light book that I can be like, oh, Don Quixote. Like, <laughs> it's a little bit more nuanced than that. And so yeah, I wonder if it, it would um, have that same thing. Was it What the River Knows? Let me see. By Isabel Imanez. That's on my list too. Um, I loved her books. But anyway, this one sounds really good. It sounds like a plot that I can get behind. I love the name Opal. I love that the cover <laughs> is so gorgeous. Yeah, it is. It's so pretty got a little moon on it fun fact yeah. elise calls that a toenail moon Stop. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> one time my godchild when she was very very small like probably five or six wrote me a little book for christmas and it was called um the girl who loved the moon but not just any moon the half moon oh any was spelled like i and i it's my prized possession so she calls that the half moon that's really sweet wasn't that the longest title ever though i love it i do love it okay (laughs) if you scroll down one our last book is called what wild women do oh yeah i already love it by karma brown um honestly the title hooked me i'm not gonna lie i did read i did like i decided based on the story but i was like what wild women do check i'm a wild woman you're wild. we're wild women that's fine period okay rowan another name that i like rowan is stuck her dream of becoming a hollywood screenwriter is stalled and so she and her novelist fiance seth retreat to an isolated cabin in the adirondacks to hopefully get out of their creative ruts there rowan finds herself drawn into a mysterious and unsettling story that of a socialite turned feminist crusader, love, Eddie Calloway, who vanished in these same woods the summer of 1975 and was never heard from again. So we've got girl power. We've got the beginnings of a thriller. Mm-hmm. A handbook found in the abandoned ruins of the Calloway camp gives Rowan glimpses into who Eddie was, and then a fateful discovery offers clues about what might have happened to her. Soon Rowan finds herself with a story potentially more shocking than Eddie's notes about sun salutations and pineapple upside down cake would indicate. Ew, also is that like a um like a swinger note? I guess they're at like a They're in like a um wilderness, like a like a retreat. They go to a retreat Ew, to find is themselves. Is it a swingers colony? I and up, up upside down pineapple is a swingers thing. I've learned all these things about Utah, so. (laughs) (laughs) 
Sorry. Listen. That was as long bar. as all parties are consenting, not my business. Go for it, girl. As Rowan learns more about Eddie, who got a second chance at life after profound loss, she discovers that the camp leader's greatest wish was to help other women unlock their true, long-repressed wildness. However, Eddie's methods and wild ways were not welcomed by all who came to her retreat, and rifts between the camp owners threatened her mission, perhaps perilously. As Rowan draws closer to the truth of Eddie's unsolved disappearance, she realizes that the past may hold two keys— one that reveals what really happened to Eddie, and another that unlocks a future beyond her wildest imagination. That sounds so good. I felt like the description of this was a little bit more chaotic than it needed to be. <laughs> that happens sometimes, though, right? When and you I read a book like, and you're like, why is that this summer? Okay, so in the 70s, this socialite woman turned feminist and had like a women's like let's get together and be wild together camp and then was murdered and now 20 30 i don't know how many years later this woman and her husband are retreating in the same place at like the old camp and i'm a, i'm picturing like abandoned buildings and like a chalkboard right. that says like wild yeah. women unite or something so and sure. that sounds fun yeah that sounds really cute it sounds good. I like it. All right. Those are my picks. I'm so excited. I want to read like every single one of these books. Oh, it's yes. so good. Thank you. We need to do the same thing for your birthday month because this sounds so fun. It was a lot of fun to put together. I'm not going to lie. Um, I didn't talk about it on the front of the pod, but uh, and my husband, Dylan, broke his leg skiing, obviously, and um, <laughs> so my free time has been like... And in the last week, I would say I've had like seven minutes of free time. Oh, dear. Like exactly seven. And um, but anytime I would get free time, I'm like, Lindsay, I am looking up books. I am do- I am escaping <laughs> from yep. this reality of double caretaker. Um, and so it was a lot of fun to find books. And then I had like, I don't know, 500 tabs open. And like every time I'd find a book, then I'd like tab over to your story graph and then type <laughs> it in there. Um, but it was a lot of fun, especially like sitting down and thinking of the things that I know that you like to read and how I could find books that hit like multiple things in one. Um, sure. And that wasn't, yeah, these look so good. And it wasn't like a heavy hitter. Everybody's read this book type of book. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. And I feel like sometimes it's harder with heavy hitters because, you get so like you see all of the talk about it, and so you're like, "Oh my god, I have to read it." Everybody's reading it. Book of the month is featured it twelve times. It's or a book I'm like, for Barnes and Noble. or I'm like, I can't read it because so many people have read it that its rating is lower, and I'm not reading a three star book. I just can't I, do it. Agreed. Exactly. Agreed. Or it's by Emily Henry. Sorry, she doesn't hit for me. She never has. I'm gonna stop trying. But it's one of those things where it's like these are the books that you found are like hard. Like you actually have to do some real digging and some research and some genre hunting so you did so i've never heard of the only book i've heard of is the starling house one and i still think that that is like a deeper cut than like alex harrow's more recent book i would agree um yay and each book had like a four plus rating oh my god that's that's like the the, i'll read a book that's like three and a half and up but if it's four, I'm definitely reading it. I just want to know. I want to know what all the talk's about. 
I believe I'm I'm pretty sure they were all four because any one that I looked at that was three, I was like, nope, not doing it. Not wasting my time. Nope. <laughs> not wasting Lindsay's no. birthday month. <laughs> <laughs> my whole month is ruined. No, I um and I've read some books that were like three point one stars. That was like the average, and then I rated it higher and vice versa. But mommy. Um <laughs> The Dead Romantics is what comes to mind for me. I fucking hate that book. I know. But everyone loves it. Everybody loves it. And it was fun. It was very fun. I will give it that. It was fun to read and it was fun to talk about. Um, But these sound so good and so weird and so different. I'm so excited to read them. Yay. I know you said you weren't buying books, but go to the library. (laughs) Yep. Listen, I didn't say anything about the library. I will be adding all of these. Um, can Can I pivot really quick and tell you about what I'm reading right now. Please do. I have started A Court of Thorns and Roses. Wait, I saw that on the, um, (laughs) I saw that pop up on the podcast Instagram because you're messaging someone and like, so I get all the alerts and I'm like, I wonder, maybe I should like sneak in a message here and be like funny, like, oh, this isn't Lindsay in the middle of your conversation, but I didn't. (laughs) Um, But I did see that you started it. Tell me more. I started it. Okay, so I I don't really read fantasy as much anymore, but I feel like magical realism, Greek mythology, that's not far from fantasy, right? Like that's it's not it, that far. It's not it's not that far. And so, but the thing is, it's like all I read growing up. Like I read um Harry Potter's, of course. I loved the Twilight books. I loved Cassandra Clare novels. I loved the Shadow Hunters. I loved Blue Bloods. Like I mm-hmm. it's all I I was just I couldn't get enough of it. And it's I'm called She's like, Escaping Something. It's called Trauma Started Young. <laughs> <laughs> um but I uh, and I also watch like The Witcher. Like I watch like everything. I I love watching television shows almost as much as I love reading. So I watch fantasy shows and movies all the time. So I was just like, everybody's saying I'm going to hate this so much. Like I'll be the judge of that. And so when Callie Cabrini, friend of the pod, was telling me that she was like on a fantasy kick, and that's where she started. She was like, I think you should read it, but it's like. It's bad in a Twilight way, like in the same way that Twilight is good, it's good. And I was like, no one has ever put it to me that way. She's like, it's it's not the, is it the best writing? No. Are you going to gobble it up? Yes. It, in the same way that Twilight was just like so addictive and it's so fun. In that way, I think you would like it. And then are she you, told me. Are you feeling that so far? 100%. Well, now I I'm love it have so to far. read that. How am I going to read six books this month? I'm already on book three. <laughs> so... Then she told me that, like, the first book is, like, an entry. This is, like, <laughs> Callie's, Callie's going to listen to this and be like, those are my exact words. The first book is, like, an entry to the series. So it's, like, they kind of have to set the world up. And then all the action starts in book two. And I was, like, okay, one of my favorite books last year was Her Majesty's Royal Coven. That's exactly how it was. The first book kind of establishes the world that you're in. The second book is, like, action-packed, like, boom, 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 shit's constantly happening. And you're, like, holy shit, holy shit. Like, you're, like, watching an action movie. And she was, like, that's exactly how the second book in this series is. And I was, like, okay, everybody can shut up because maybe I will like it. it. So I'm about three hours into the audiobook. It's a 16-hour audiobook. Ah! But I'm three hours in, and I'm, like, totally interested. I think about it all the time. I can't wait to keep listening to it. I think that the 
Um, narrators are doing a great job. I'm not like distracted by anything. And so I'm still still in the beginning. It's you, still early. Had you I, put it on hold at the library like a year ago? I put it on hold when Callie told me to, which was probably in December. And so when I posted on the podcast page, when I was like, what should I read next? I like, I'm DNFing all these books. Callie was like, oh girl, like you don't want to know what I think you should read. And I was like, I'm waiting. I'm like, I'm literally 60th in line. And literally the next day it became available. I think the, I think the library bought like 10 more copies or something because I was 60th and then I was, it was my turn. So I'm actually enjoying it. I don't think it's horrible. I don't think it's like the hardest to imagine fantasy. It's I haven't gotten to any smut yet. So maybe the smut is corny and that's what everybody's saying I'm going to hate. But I think it's really good. Like uh, several of my friends love this book. Like they love, love, love it. I know I'm going to end up reading it at some point in 2024. Like, let me try. So I actually like so far it's reminding me of two things. Thing number one is another book that I loved, Assistant to the Villain. Um, I loved that book last year. It was very kitschy, very cute, very fun, like grumpy, sunshine kind of trope. Mm-hmm. Funny writing, funny heroine. This one I wouldn't say is as funny, but the kind of like world building kind of reminds me of the same kind of dynamic. Yeah. Um, and I love that. And it's also kind of bringing me back to when I was watching Once Upon a Time when that first came out, the like fairy tale kind of fantasy TV show on the CW. And I, I loved both of those things. And I'm like... I'm going to like Maybe this. Maybe like this book. And that's fine. I'm, like, I'm having a great time. We can, like, totally we can like popular books. We just can't yeah, like we totally can. Colleen Hoover. I'm so sorry to the Colleen Hoover fans. I will not even try it. And that's, I'm sorry. But also, y'all don't read every book we recommend. We might not read Colleen Hoover. It's it's the give and the take. Um, So I think it's, I'm, I'm really having a fun time with it. And I'm like so excited about that. And I'm like, okay, Yay. if I love this, there's like 40 more books by this author that there, I could read. There so. really are. And each one is a good like 1,200 pages. Um. <laughs> exactly. Like why can't fantasy novels be under 1,200 pages? I don't know. But it's the world building. Are. It just takes time. I know. And I told you about this woman at the gym who for probably six months now, she brings her like big um, Sarah J. Moss, I think is how you say her name, her big like A Court of Thorns and Roses book. She's got her hiking boots on and she's got her huge backpack on oh, and she's on that. she's Can on the freaking Stairmaster for hiking? hours. No, I'm Please. not going to do that. I hate when people talk to me at the gym that I don't know. I, I hate know, but they, like, she's wearing a backpack and hiking boots. I want to know what she's hiking. She's reading. But the is thing she, is she's, I, she I'm like, you're reading this dense. Is she doing the Pacific? I'm like, she's. She's doing this dense ass book on the Stairmaster for hours in hiking boots. I'm always just like, wow, you're impressive. And so your core strength must be amazing. So because strong. you're like not even having trouble balancing. She's just, she's going at it. Um, so she loves the book. She seems like a pretty powerful woman. So maybe, I'll, maybe I'm going to like it. I think you will. I okay. think I will too. Um, have we announced our buddy read? Like. We haven't. Actually. We've talked about it. So if you want to know yeah. about it, go back two episodes and listen <laughs> to Lindsay talk about it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, so for our buddy read, we're going to do a book that's very dense. Renee's going to kill me when she starts reading it, but, but, I but, but. bought the book and, like, the first couple pages have, like, the names of the women and about them. Mm-hmm. And I started reading it mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, I don't have any brain power. Like, oh, I got to. Go back to my audiobook and um, I'll come back. I will revisit her. I promise. I will read it. But I was like, ooh. 
Yeah, so this book definitely takes some work to read. And that's, I know that that's a turnoff for some people. It's called Stone Blind by Natalie Haynes. And it is the origin story of Medusa. And Natalie Haynes is such an amazing author. She's so lyrical. Like the way that this woman writes, she uses the English language in a way that's, I don't know how to explain it. She uses the language in a way that I'm like, oh my God, like writers like this exist is kind of how it makes me feel reading her work. Um, Which is amazing. I'm like, yes, exactly. She's so amazing. And she does so much research. She researches like ancient texts. She researches like vases and like, like walls of caves where they have stories written about Greek gods and goddesses. And so she does all of this work and then still translates it into like the most beautiful page you've ever read. Um, I, I have already cried. I have done so much Googling, learning like what these gods and goddesses look like and how to say their names. So it definitely is, is it takes some work. Like you can't, in my opinion, you, you can't get like the full experience if you're not like sitting down with it and thinking about it and like kind of doing some light research along with her. But so far, it's so beautiful. The cover is stunning. A lot of our friends in book club have gotten the audiobook, so they don't have to worry about how to pronounce all of these crazy names. But it's one of those books that it almost feels like I'm reading nonfiction because I'm learning so much, but it's Greek mythology. So um, there's definitely some content warnings. If you guys are familiar with Greek mythology, there's a lot of sexual assault in the stories. So um, read it at your own um, risk. What's the word I'm looking for? Discretion, um, maybe? Discretion. Thank you. <laughs> Not risk. Um, but so far, I'm just, I'm completely in love with it. I've already put Natalie Haynes' more recent book, Divine Might, on hold at the library. But um, I just, I'm in love with this book so far. I have I can't say enough good things about it. I've loved all of Natalie Haynes' books that I have read. But just a warning going in, check those content warnings, take care of yourself, and also just like be ready for a little bit of light research because it's like, the gods they work together and they exist together in like a in in groups and in dynamics and stuff just like characters in any book these are just words that are harder to pronounce so you're gonna listen to me and renee totally butcher how to say it oh yeah i mean really (laughs) but we're gonna try because it's such a beautiful piece of work and it's so heavily researched that you really feel like you know these gods and goddesses like you I don't know. It's like it's like watching a movie. It's like watching the best movie you've ever seen. It's so good. Yeah. So hopefully I've sold you on it. If I'm not, stoked. Once, just I just try have it. to. I just gotta get in my um, like I have to sit down and have some dedicated time. I bought the yeah. book, but I meant to buy the audiobook, and then I was like <laughs> flustered, so I put the audiobook on hold at the library. So hopefully it's done um tomorrow, <laughs> and I can start to listen. Yeah, I think it's I think it's going to be really fun to talk about. It's such a beautiful story so far. Medusa has been her story has been retold millions of times where she's the monster and not the victim. And Natalie Haynes does such an amazing job of I don't want to say rewriting Greek mythology, but retelling it from the victims and the women's perspectives. It's always in the in the view of the god right it's all you're always hearing about zeus's perspective and poseidon and all these big impressive gods and it's like they were literal they were rapists like they were like habitual rapists and we're all like medusa's the monster anyway it's so good so good read it it read it with us spend spend some time with it read it with us if it takes you a couple weeks to keep picking it up that's fine but once you get through it like once you get through the beginning parts if you're 
if you're not like me and you don't need a ton of context, you can just keep reading. It's probably going to be easier for you. But I'm such a context person that I'm like, wait, I need to know every single thing about that one character that's never going to be mentioned again. <laughs> it's never going to be mentioned again. <laughs> like, I need to know about Forces and what does he look like and why does he have lobster claws instead of legs? Like, make it make sense. And are the lobster claws big or are they little? They're probably big because he can walk on them and he's big. So it's it's just so interesting. And I'm excited for y'all to read it. If y'all are intimidated to read it, totally fine. Listen to us talk about it and maybe we'll sell you some more. Or just listen to the audiobook like most grown adults do. <laughs> and that's all we've got. Thanks for that's listening. That's all we've got. Yeah. And um, happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> She's 21. Today. I'm turning 22. Um no, I'm excited. I'm excited for Aquarius season. I'm excited to read books with all of my friends and excited to keep potting in 2024. So thanks for potting with me. Thank y'all for listening. We will list the books we talked about today in the show notes so you can read along with us and follow us on Instagram at crybabybookspod. And if you have a book that you think we should read, at this point, keep it to yourself because our list is really <laughs> long. <laughs> Bye. No, keep telling us. (laughs) (laughs) Bye.